You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. season of the show out obviously we started off um really different than the normal seasons but now we're back in the swing of things of having like wonderful storytelling guests and today is going to (gasps) blow your mind i don't know if i want to promise that but i i want to say that this person that i'm interviewing is uh i love her so much um it's anise sheth she's a singer an actor an activist uh, a director a producer also just very cool person. Uh, we, we kind of talk about like how we met each other and uh, we, we were seated. Uh, we were seated. Did you hear me say that just now? I'm on the edge. Uh, no, we was we were seated close to each other at a reading. And I was like, this person and I drive very well. And um, I, I'm so excited for you to hear all about her. You know, you know her from like Jessica Jones and Difficult People and Twelfth Night and Southern Comfort at the public. Um, but she's like, I just, you need her in your life if you don't already have her. I want to talk about everything else in between all of those projects because uh, you can look her up if you want to hear more about that stuff. But I want you to get to know the real Anish. And without further ado, here it is. Follow her at Anish the Actress on Instagram. Uh, highly recommend it. Either way, check it out. I am so excited to have you on the show because as soon as I met you, I was like, I just like really want to be her friend. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. It was like fate that we were sitting right there next to each other. I was just I so think, happy. I think you like turned around at some point and it was like kind of like a movie where like the, <laughs> it's like the Beyonce fan is blowing on your hair. You looked so <laughs> fucking stunning for this oh, reading. I was like, so you, funny. I was like a full beat for a reading. I get it. <laughs> like I come from New Jersey and you were just like, I'm here to serve. Hello. <laughs> oh my God. You were just, I mean, you were, you were a shining light in that room. And I don't know, it just felt like that little, that little corner that we had, you know, you, me and Cheech were just like, I don't know. It was just, it felt Is it like the a, Asian corner. Is that what I, that's, you know, that's what I guess. So I guess so. I didn't even yeah. realize that when I said it, but like, I mean, it was great. And then I had, Scott, I think, was to my right. And then I had Jason to my left. And that was that was an interesting dynamic, too. It was just it was a weird side of the room. Right. It was like it was it was a very like great mix of folks. Oh, Barson was on our side of the room. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I I saw him in Macbeth right before the shutdown. Uh huh. Oh my god! So, so good. good, so, so good. good. I'm like, He's so dude, good. I would see you in anything. Oh, anything! I would watch him do anything. I yeah. would like, yeah, anything. I, yeah. he's he's great. <laughs> he's great people. That was a yeah. huge cast too. I'm just thinking now about that company. It was, it was I know, a huge company. Yeah, there yeah. Was, there was at least thirty of thirty us? people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Because it was, like, all of you guys doing, like, the Six North, like, institutional. Anyways, um, yeah. I want to start storytelling with you kind of immediately because I I, I Googled. Because I feel like I know you enough, but I didn't know, like, your past. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm, I'm familiar with how I knew you, which we'll talk about later on screen. And then, of course, getting to work with you was really, really fabulous. But I was like, you know, I don't know how 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 you got here and like uh-huh. what your story was. And then I saw this thing about like how you were uh, into theater and like you just started performing at age seven. And then uh, come to find out that was a lie. 
Can you tell me a story of like your first times on stage and just being like, yeah. I'm a starlet. This is my time. <laughs> Actually, it's so funny. So uh, it was age six. I don't know oh. where this miss source of information that's well I wikipedia was, is famously I, credible that's that's true that is true you know maybe wikipedia is right and i'm wrong who knows <laughs> can you imagine can Just... you, that was so funny um yeah no i was i was actually six and I, I started piano around the same time as well and um i started doing like community theater in a church basement and funny enough i was not a little diva i was i was like very uncomfortable in my own skin i you know, just was very awkward and shy. But, you know, my parents put me there to keep me out of trouble and to be entertained, you know. And so I just kind of like grew to love music and love theater very, very much. And then as I started growing older, I started, you know, picking up a different more instruments to play. And I decided to start studying classical music. And so I studied opera for a really long time. And then when I was... uh, a junior in high school, my voice teacher was like, well, you got to make a decision because I was still doing community theater. And he was like, do you want to go to school for community theater or do you want to continue your opera training? And I was like, opera is so boring, but I will audition for both. So I auditioned for both programs and I, I was already doing the Manhattan School of Music pre-college program. Got it. So I yeah. was like, I was getting a feel for what my vocal, classical vocal training would be like if I continued it. And I hated it. I hated it. And um, I got rejected from every single <laughs> opera program that I applied to. And, oh. in re- and in retrospect, like, I don't care. Because in retrospect, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there was like some racial undertones in that as well, which I didn't uh, think about as like a 17 year old child. Well, that's the thing when you are growing up and you're and hopefully you're beloved by your community for your right. gifts right. and like who you are. Right. There's no, there's no secondary, like, could it be this? Yeah. If you're a person of color, if you have like any, any kind of like non-cis white straight <laughs> something, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you're not thinking about it and yeah. like, it's, it's not the same at all, but I've just like seen little bits of like, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, right. What was that? Yeah. That sucks. You, you think about that when you, when you do it. And like, I mean, I don't care. Cause I, I ended up getting into the NYU uh, musical theater program, uh, cap 21 now defunct. Casual, um, yes. It was, I mean, this was what, like something years ago. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, choosing to go to a musical theater program, um, and was really, really happy there and studied musical theater. And Jen, I did musical theater for a long time. And then somehow, magically, I don't know, somehow um, I started getting hired for TV work, which was great. Um, And I slowly have kind of shifted into that lane. And I still have the open for theater, but theater is like that unattractive X that pops up every now and then. And it's like, I have something to entice you with. Let's hang out. And you're like, sure, I'll flirt with you for a little bit. And then you realize like at the end of whatever it is, you're like, why did I do that to myself? You know, I, I see tweets like this all the time where they're like, Oh, should I like, you know, the classic, like you're at the bar. Should I call my ex? No, never once have I considered (laughs) reaching back out to these choices, right? Choices. Yeah. Choices. choices. She made choices. <laughs> like the idea, cause you and I have talked extensively being like, wh- why am I still on this dick? Like, yes. why am I still oh, here? Girl, you like, don't have to tell me. Yes. Like my bias is just like, why can't just like one, just like yeah. one that I like fall in love with. No, it's still going to be dick. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get mm-hmm. it. Um, I, but no, yeah. that's, I, but I know you do. Uh, I just, yeah, it's, <laughs> I get it's, it. it's so strange that like, you know, after, once you get into kind of your career, which I feel like when you're going to NYU, you're part of your career at that point. Yeah. Because yeah. you're in the New York realm. All these people that like come to New York City after their school, it's like, yeah. what? But yeah. when you're in New York, you feel a little bit more like, oh, I feel like I'm already right. in this business. Yeah. 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 And I had, you know, been going to school at Manhattan School of Music. And so I was making connections there. And I just, I felt immersed enough that like when I started my musical theater program, I mean, and then when I was 19, I got the opportunity to go to London and workshop Bombay Dreams. And I was just a sophomore in college. So it was literally like I was working professionally already while I was in college, which was 
a great feeling to be like, I feel great. Like I feel positive about a future in this career. And also like awesome. you felt represented. Like that's. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was awkward too. Cause I was just, I'm 19. I, and I, I was very sheltered. So like, I'm still learning about myself. I'm still learning about the world. I'm still learning about how to even do. I had never taken an acting class before I'd gotten to college. All I had studied was dance and um, vocal training. And so I, came in, I had to go see an acting coach just for my auditions, just to come up with a monologue. Cause I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, <laughs> which is so funny. Cause now I'm like, I love acting. I love doing it. It's so fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's such a beast, you know, you know how yeah. it is. I do, but also, but I also can't imagine how it is for you. Like, like everyone's circumstances are so different that I'm like, we can all sit here and be like, no, it's hard. And I'm like, oh, I know it's harder for you. (laughs) Like, like, there's no fucking question. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you and me. We get it. Uh, Because that's always funny to me. Like, especially like when you share something, this is not the same, I guess. But like when you share some kind of trauma and someone says, the worst words to you that you can right. ever imagine, which is I've been there. I've been there. And I'm like, I know what you think you're saying, which is like right. really caring. Right. But what you're saying is like, you've, you've been through the exact same thing. And I'm like, I guarantee you. No, even if you it's like not. worse, even if it's yeah. worse, it's like, right. Uh, so different. So different. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you want to relate to people. And I, I get that part of humanity, but I'm also like, no, you got to take a seat. To you gotta take say. seat. Right. <laughs> you got to start listening to each other. You know what I mean? Like, and actually yeah. listen, like this, that's the storytelling aspect of your podcast is like, it, it's so wonderful. Right. Cause it's like, Aww. it's, we need to hear people's stories. We need to hear everybody's stories. Cause we don't know, sit down, you know? Well, you literally just brought it up. So I'm just going to straight up go into it because I want to, yeah. I didn't realize you worked on Bombay dreams for so long. Yes. Can you, <laughs> can you share if you even have the mental space yeah. and capacity to, to talk about that story? Because yeah. I, I had no idea. I read something that you kind of put out into the world last year. Was it last year? And yeah. I was like, people keep using the term brave. But I, I do mean it like that is incredibly right. brave. And like it was, I hate, like, it just sounds like cliche, but, it, but yeah. it, that, that is exactly what that was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, people are talking about it. Like people yeah. are telling stories about institutions that we like are, you know, we beloved. So anyways, right. I won't, I won't get more into it, but please, yeah. if you don't mind sharing that story, sure. I want to hear yeah. about it. <laughs> I have a very, very, very long history with that show. So I was a sophomore. So I have a good family friend in London. And I think it was like the summer before my sophomore year of college. um, I was in London and he was like, oh, you know, there's like new show and it's based on like Bollywood movies. It's coming to the West End. You should totally see if you can get seen for it. And I was like, I don't know if they're going to see New York actors, but like, sure. So I found who the the casting director was. And this was like pre really when everything was on the internet. Right. So we had a book called the Ross reports and like, you'd have to like (laughs) scroll through and find who was casting what. And then um, I saw who I found out through like a news ad that David Grinrod casting was casting for the West end. So I like sent a headshot and resume. They were like black and white back then. Like it was just, you know, (laughs) it's just very, very old timeies in the, in the before times. Um, Sent off a headshot and resume. Didn't really think about it. And then I, it was like, Oh goodness. It was a month after September 11th. I got a call from, it's crazy. Right after September 11th, a call from Tara Rubin's office. Mm. And we're like, hey, we're working on this show in the West End, and we'd really like you to come in and just some, sing some stuff for us. And I was like, sure. So I went in and I I sang Why God Why from Miss Gone because I was like, okay, this show's range and something that I'm good at. I'll sing it. And they're like, great, great. Um, can you sing like something else? And I sang something else. And then they gave me a little packet and it had a couple of songs in it. And they're like, come back like I think Thursday, a couple days later. Um, and we'll work on this stuff. And I was like, great. And they gave me like, Love's Never Easy was written. And then and, um, Sweetie's second song in the second act was the same kind of melody, but it was a totally different song at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So they gave me that. And then they gave me another like group number to learn. Um, and I came back and I sang a whole bunch of stuff for them. Um, was in there for a while um, working on it. And then I went home and I didn't really think anything of it. And then I was at school one day and I got a call 
um, saying that, hey, like, we, we want to send you to London. Like, you're, I think they called my parents' house because my parents then called me and left me a message. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, someone called saying that they want to send you to London for this workshop, yada, 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 because this was all landline times, too. Um, so they ended up flying me to London for like a 36, like super fast trip, um, to workshop this for a day. And by then they had given me like a, a rough script that they had, um, and some other material for sweetie. And I was there for like, God, a day and a half working on stuff with them. They shuffled me like from the airport to the place, worked, went home, showered, slept, went back the next day, worked, and then went straight to the airport and left. It was a whirlwind process. And then about two weeks later, I got a call saying, like, we're not going to use you. And I, I, I was devastated, but I was also like, I'm 19. This is the business. This is the business. Like, I'm 19. Like this, I'm sure I will get an opportunity again. And like Tara's office reached out and we're like, you know, of course, in the event that it comes to Broadway, you're going to be on the short list. And I was like, okay, great. You know, that's <laughs> nice to hear. Right? I was like, okay. okay. Right. So time goes on. It's like two and a half years later. And then I get a call. I'm a senior now. And, um, Tara Rubin's office calls me and they're like, Hey, you know, so it's coming to Broadway and we really want to know if you, you could come in and, and sing some sweetie stuff. And I was like, sure. So I went, I, I did this stuff again. And they're like, great. We want you to do a workshop. And so I was workshopping with three other guys. Um, and it was like a week long workshop where they, you know, taught us movement and this like working on the material and all of this stuff. Um, and then we did the presentations on like, the last day for like all the producers and each of us got like, like 10 minutes to do these presentations we'd been working on all week. And, and then I never even got a call saying I didn't get it. I found out through a web forum online that somebody had, that Shri, who's, who's a friend of mine, that Shri had been cast, that Shri Ram had been cast. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that's it. So then I reached out to Tara's office like about a week and a half later. And I was like, I just want to stop by. Like, I, yeah. I want to drop off a gift basket. And so I did. And I was just like, <laughs> and I, I just, you know, thank you. Cause I've like been working with you now for like four years on this show, three years, three mm -hmm. and a half years on this show. And at one point there was also like an interim where they were doing like a mini dance tour and so uh -huh. they were like, hey, can you come in and do some sweetie stuff for this like mini tour? And I was like, OK, so I mean, sometimes I don't even tell that part of the story, but it's like also like I was just dragged through the mud for a long time with them. Well, yeah, then, when you when you add layers to it, it helps put it all into context of like, look yeah. at how look at how much I invested of myself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So then, um, you know, and I went to his office and I spoke to the, the, the folks that were involved in the process who knew me well. And, and I was like why like what is what is the reasoning like is there if there is something i'm doing wrong, i'm still i'm going to graduate in a few weeks like i need to know before i graduate from a real industry professional what it is that i had that i need to work on that would have maybe at least given me the opportunity to be a cover you know like no nothing was offered to me and they were they were just kind of like uh you know i i just you know it's just the way the business is and then I thought about it and the entire week, the workshop, I mean, you know me and you know the way like that I present myself. I'm very femme. Yeah. I'm always like have my yeah. face really done up and my hair done. And I remember distinctly what I was wearing for this, this entire workshop. And I was wearing heels, right? Cause it's yeah. sweetie. It's a trans yeah. woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. And who better to know what she is like than perhaps a South Asian trans woman, right? It feels a little so on the nose. <clears throat> It feels um, a little, well, which is exactly what I was told. So the entire yeah. week I was, I kept being told, well, don't wear so much makeup, put your half, your hair half up. So it looks a little more masculine presenting. Don't wear oh. high heels, wear flat shoes. Oh, so because became, you're too, because you're too femme presenting yes. because that's, that's too believable. Yes. And they need you to kind of like dial yes. it back so that people remember that you're a trans yes. person. Do yes. not get me started. And that you did. You did. And I and, love it. I mean, but like, and the worst part about it, like, here's here's the, the fucking terrible part about it is like that character, sweetie. I don't know if you've seen this show or any people who are listening, if you haven't seen it, sweetie is this character from the jump 
is treated and portrayed as a clown. Like, is the comic relief, is the one that's always the butt of the jokes, is the one who's always herself being like, oh, I've lived life from both sides. Like, just very, like, transphobic shit. And then the end of her story arc ends in the second act after she sings this, like, powerful love ballad to the male lead that she's in love with. She gets dragged and beaten on the beach. No, come on. And then shot in the back. Boys don't damn cry again. <laughs> Just it, it, and then and then dragged off stage, right? And so, like, let's talk about like tropes of portraying trans women of color. First of all, like, how problem more problematic can you get? But then yeah, like you know to, to have it end in this tragic way because could never right. be accepted. Could never be accepted. Oh, that sucks. right. So they wanted somebody that could be clothed on stage as a man in a dress because that was is the perception of what's funny about trans women is that we're just we're just men in dresses so it's it was it was you know and of course like this is all hindsight processing right like at the time i was just hurting that i was i didn't get this job and like even my my classmates were like you're gonna be on broadway when you graduate why are you worrying about things right like (laughs) everybody knew everyone was so invested in my journey because they had seen it through while i was in school Mm -hmm. um and so then you know it kind of settled and i i booked another tour and i went on tour myself with another show and i came back and i did the day jobs and stuff And then I was in line at Equity, and this was before the new fancy Equity is there. This is when we used to line up on the streets at 6 a.m. in the morning, kids, okay? Not me. (laughs) Not me. There was was no lounge. It was just you waited outside in a line on 46th Street. Yeah heading east like and just waited in line at six in the morning and so i remember i was like online and i saw a friend from because i also then once the show was up and running i was just at the theater a lot because i had made a lot of friends in the show through the workshop process and they were all like you're like an honorary cast member because you know you should be here but you're not because you've been there because i've been there right i had been there at that point for for like four years it was crazy so then you know, 2005, it's the end of fall of 2005. And I get a phone call and it's like, Hey, so Bombay dreams is going on tour. Oh no. Well, first I was, I was out in that equity line and I saw somebody from the cast and did you hear Bombay dreams is going to go on tour? And I was like, Oh great. And he's like, do you think they'll reach out to you? And I was like, they'll probably reach out to Sri Ram first. And cause he's got first right of refusal. And if he turns it down, they might come to me. But at that point I'm going to tell them like, do you want to hire me or do you want me to jump through hoops again? Mm. And so they ended up calling me and this was like November of uh, 2005. And uh, they were like, come in and can you do a bunch of sweetie stuff? And I was like, do you want me to audition or are you giving me a job? Because I don't know what else I can show you. I've practically (laughs) done the entire show for you. Tattoo that to my ass. Right? You want like, me to audition? Or are you giving me a job? <laughs> I was brazen. I was brazen. I was also, I had also met with an agent at Abrams at that time who was just mm. very like unsure about me. When I, so I ultimately went in and I sang all this stuff. And right there in the room, they're like, okay, so what's your schedule? Like, we're, we're going to go on, like, rehearsal start on January 26th. And I was like, well, you caught me just in time because I'm going to India at the end of the year and I won't be back till January 25th. So I literally flew back the day before um, rehearsal started. And I came back and rehearsal started and I went on tour with the show for a year. And it, it was, it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. I, there was something else that I was going to say that I totally forgot now, but no, I don't care. But no. I mean, it did have that like brief Broadway stint. Yeah, like a nine couple of years ago. Yeah, two thousand four. Yeah. It was in for like nine months. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. It was. It I, was a wild show. <laughs> also, but like I forget, and I think that like recently they did that like off Broadway thing or something. They had like a something, and and I was just like, huh. I don't, I'm not hearing anything about this show, which I can't tell is like, yeah, just marketing money or if it's like, right, oh, we, don't, we don't talk about that. Like, I don't know. yeah, I mean, I've heard some people who are like, oh my God, it needs a revival. And I'm like, does it? Does it? And then some people who are like, let's just, let's just keep it buried because it's, it had its moment and, 
now it's gone and that's okay, you know? And like, yeah. not to say that I hated, I loved being with the show, you know what Obviously, I mean? Obviously, you would not want to be a part of right. that type of experience if it didn't mean something to you. Right. So don't ever take right. that away from yourself. Right. Like you, you did that. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> and I, I loved, I loved doing that show every night. You know what I mean? Like as mm -hmm. problematic as it was, I still loved playing that character and living in that world for the two and a half hours, eight times a week. Oh my God. Why do we do this to ourselves? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy. I, I appreciate so much that you, the way, the way that you vocalize a lot of these experiences are not in a like, we need to burn it down kind of way. Just <laughs> yeah. like, this is, I mean, not that also you could do that if you yeah. wanted to yeah. totally um, <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're well within your right. It's not like mm, you need to stay quiet. No, but I just mean that like, you know, having, having some type of like trajectory of like how it is to be an artist in, in your space and in like your particular body, like yeah. just how, how, how are you able to keep going? Like I, the whole article that you uh, kind of released about uh, the public theater mm -hmm. and that, that shook me mm -hmm. because I was like, I've never, I've never seen someone so uh, eloquently tell a story about how, how their experience was at a place that is so beloved, you know, by a lot of people so recently. Yeah. So I don't know if you feel like sharing that story, yeah. but I, just because you were just the way you talked about Bobby dreams. I'm like, I have to, I have to talk about this because Absolutely. that story, like I shared it so much. And I even talked about it on Broadway radio because I was just like, this is, I mean, I just want us to all have conversations because I think that's how we grow. It's not like yes. we're trying to like yes. light this place on fire and be like, it's over. Goodbye, Joe's pub. Right. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Um, exactly. No, I, I want them to get better, like figure yeah. it out. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think like, that is the reason why I did it. Right. Like I have yeah. no animosity towards the public. I love everybody in that building that I've yeah. worked with, you know, that I'm friends with that I, I have worked alongside with. Like, you know, top to bottom. And it it's because of my love for that place that I decided that it was important to speak out and not because I felt slighted, but yeah. this was something that was happening repeatedly over and over and over again and not just happening, but that the conversations around what was happening were not even being allowed. Like it yeah. was basically right that it was like, like keep a... quiet right don't say anything mm -hmm. keep quiet and it literally started you know and I, I as I detail in this my le in my letter it literally started before I even stepped into the building prior to my very first job with the public which was Southern Comfort back in 2016 we got an email and at that time I'm sure we'll circle back to this I was going through a divorce and so mm -hmm. I was packing up my house my my two three-bedroom house in Washington <sighs> State and packing my life to come move back to New York. And I was planning on moving back to New York anyway. And I was really hoping that I was going to get this job when I was going through the callback process. So I was very blessed that the universe was like, here, yeah, fucking have this job. You know, yeah. I totally lost track of what I was saying. <laughs> oh, the public. Right. So before, before I'd even come into rehearsal, um, I got, we got an email, a company email from, I think it was the uh, director of something director of programming, Maria Goyanis, but I forget exactly what her title was. I thought it was associate artistic director, but that's not exactly what it was. But basically we got an email saying that there was a public letter to the public um, from a trans person who was criticizing the show, which was the theme of Southern Comfort is about a chosen family of trans folks living in rural Georgia. And it is a cast of five trans characters and one cis character. And three out of the five trans characters were played by cis people. Cis people, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so they, they held an open, because after much criticism of everyone being played by cis people in prior workshops, they opened up calls for two of the roles. Only two, only two though, um, for the two, for two of the trans tracks, but very specifically like only Carly and only Jack. Son. No, not Jackson. What is his, the other character's name? I don't know. It's been it's been like six years. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Um, so, uh, yeah, we I went in. I did the callbacks, whatever. And I, we get this email saying, like, do not respond to this letter. 
You are not allowed to respond to this letter. We have an in-house staff that is going to respond when it's appropriate with the appropriate response, but you are not allowed to say anything. And to me, it was like a bunch of cis people are telling, telling me to be silent. Me, the trans person, not to respond to the criticism of transphobia in a show that I'm in. How mm -hmm. am I not supposed to speak up? Mm -hmm. How are you telling me to keep quiet, right? Mm -hmm. But because it was my first show at the public, because I was coming back to New York and I did not, I had a new agent. I did not want to screw up my, my career, right? We are, we are told, just shut up and do the job. And so I did. And well, then, also you're trying to feed yourself. I mean, like, let's right, be real. Like, right, right. I'm, I'm trying to pay that rent. Yep. I would like a coffee yep. once a week, please. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so layered. I think that people really get on their high horse that don't live in this arena a lot of times where they're yeah. like, why didn't you say something? And it's like, right. do you know I have bills? <laughs> I have bills to pay. I needed to put a roof over my head. I was, yes. I was getting a divorce, right? Like uh, up until then I had a security blanket of um, an army husband, army, Yeah, you know, the government was giving us a check every week, you know? So mm -hmm. it was like, it was easy to pursue an acting career when I knew I had a subsidized lifestyle, Something. you know? Uh, right. Yeah. And so going from that to, to like, also just like realizing that I was technically restarting my career in New York after being away for six years, you know, mm. I, I was like, I have to just say, yes, I have to just <laughs> shut up and do the yeah, job. You're, you're reestablishing yourself in a place where you felt like you already established yourself. You worked yeah. so hard. Yes. And then when you leave it, right. like I know some people, so many people that like go on tour and they're like, I've got to like reinvent myself right. to come back. And it's so sad. It's so sad. Like, oh, so anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, so that it was started with that. Right. And then, you know, the rehearsal process was whatever. I got very, very sick as previews started happening because I was just being pushed. And during one of the previews, I don't know if you saw the show, but the core of the show, there's one scene and it, my character is the new girlfriend of the, the son of the chosen family. And so I don't show up into the, into the show until about 40 minutes, 37 minutes into the, the first act um, when they've already established the rest of the family. So the core, the heart of the show is this first scene. Once my character enters the stage, because it's like, everyone is finally there together for once. And all these dynamics are happening. And it's like this explosive scene over like snicker pudding. And it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. And the show itself is a very, very beautiful show. Um, albeit problematic, you know, mm -hmm. and they were, they were toying with all the different things that they could do with the scene to, to see how far they could push it, see, you know, to keep it realistic or whatever. And there was this conversation about like me commenting on the other trans woman who was played by a cis man's appearance and particularly her figure. And I was protesting. I was like, trans women would not do that to another trans woman. Like I would never comment on another woman's body trans or not like i would just never con that is not my place that's right? not in like, your constitution it is not in like my right no yeah. right and i said and it's not even in the constitution of this character because this character is being developed like me right like she's mm. so vibrant she's so loving she's so warm like that's very much me and i don't like there's nothing in this character in this entire script that would lend itself to justify why she would say this yeah was fought that they wanted to keep it and they wanted to keep it in. I was not being hurt. So we ended up taking a, a, a 10 and I was sitting in the audience and I was really, you know, visibly upset. And my, my mm. cis ma white male castmate came up to me and we were very close and he, you know, was comforting me and he was just, you know, do you, do you want me to say something? Do you want me to say something? I was like, no, I, I like, I mean, I've said what I said and they want to shoot it down. So I go away, I go to the bathroom, I come back and we're, we're going to start up again. And the director comes over to me and says, Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, we're, we're going to cut it. We're going to cut it. We're not going to do it. And to me immediately, I thought, well, you didn't want to cut it when I said something. And I know that my castmate went and talked to you and now you want to cut it. Mm -hmm. And so it just felt like I, you know, between the, the letter before rehearsal even started and then like hearing this about like, I'm only being heard when my concerns are going through a cis white male just felt very much like mm -hmm. very invalidating to my experience. Right. So I ended up getting sick. I was out for five days. They shut down the show. Then the show reopened again. And then it was fine. And I did my job. 
Yeah. We got a New York Times critics pick. I got rave reviews. Like I did my job because I'm a goddamn professional. And my trip so good. <laughs> Let's be clear. You are so good. Thank you. But yeah. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, because I'm a professional and I do my job, right? And it's <laughs> like if I am if I am taken care of, if I know I'm in a safe space, if I'm taken care of, if I can focus on my job and not the extra stuff that's happening around me, like having to defend my own value as a trans woman of color in the space. And mind you, I was the only person of color, the only person of color. So it was an incredibly white room. But yeah, so I, I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that it happens so often in a room and people don't know how to deal with it or react. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. if people yeah. are going to have these conversations, maybe they're helpful. Yeah. And I mean, it just kept happening, right? Because then after Southern Comfort, I got hired for Twelfth Night. And then I got, which I was, again, the only trans person, only trans person. Was that the um, one that's in the park? That the was musical? not in the park. It was, no, it was not the musical. It was the mobile. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I did Masculinity Max, which was a problematic process on its own, right? Because I think, mm -hmm. as as I say in my letter too, right? It's like the public wanted to sensationalize on identity without actually giving the safe space to create folk of those identities, right? So it was just very problematic in the from like the rehearsal room all the way through production, mm -hmm. um, and then um, and then I got cast in uh, my first summer show which was virtual last year uh richard the second and mm -hmm. it was oh god it was like two days after george floyd was murdered and i remember this yeah 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 who all was yeah. doing that with you i recognize um, some other people i mean like yeah felicia rashad was in it. andre holland was yes. in it um yeah. yeah there was there was a lot of cool people in it mm -hmm. um so we were, there was a lot of us who expressed before the first rehearsal whether or not that the show even needed to happen at all, yeah. right? Like, mm -hmm. who the fuck cares um, <laughs> about Shakespeare right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, with, Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Right. I had tons of friends that were doing virtual programming that it was scheduled to do the week after. And right. I was like, I don't, I don't know how anybody has the capacity to be like, you know right. what? Yeah. Right. So I can't right. imagine. So a lot of us addressed that to company management, to the public, saying that, you know, perhaps the time and money going into it would be better relocated somewhere more useful right now. Um, and they were like, well, what's going to happen is we're going to meet for the first rehearsal. And the first part of rehearsal, everyone is going to be able to just express how they're feeling right now. We're just going to talk. And I was like, okay. And I hope that th that enough is like them to be like, yeah, we really shouldn't do the show. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a big company. There was like 20 something of us, I think maybe 30. Um, and all of us, you know, shared how we were feeling. A lot of folks were also like, I don't know if I should be here. I don't know if this is right, that we should be doing this right now. Um, and when it was my turn to spoke up, I said, you know, I just feel, I feel complicit, right? When I accept a job that once again has cast me in a very marginalized way because it does end up resonating outside of this room. The way that mm -hmm. you, once again, I'm the only trans person in the room. And it, it, it just, you just start, you re, you're marginalizing people over and over again when you cast them in certain things. And I, I address the fact that I was a brown maid to yet again, a white queen. And I had played that as Mariah to Olivia in Twelfth Night. And here I was playing the maid's, woman in Richard II. Um, and, you know, I was upset because it was also like my fourth or fifth, you know, and, and countless readings I had done with the public, you know, mm. feeling like no matter how much I showed them I can do, I still wasn't getting the opportunity to do bigger things with them, right? Mm -hmm. It was still in like these very like marginalized ways, like you're going to play a brown maid in one scene to, a, and that's it, right? In like a three-hour play. I was like, you know I'm capable of doing more why yeah. right so there was an hr meeting that was called and i i kind of addressed everything i was like look this isn't just about this this is about like the, the marginalization of trans folks from my experience and my point friends that have worked here 
my entire five years that I've been in with this company. Like I, yeah. and I, and they're like, okay, great. They took a record of it. They addressed it, you know, the emails <laughs> back and forth. And then that was it. And then yeah. nothing happened. It's like, we record it. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Right. Yeah. And it gets filed away somewhere. And that was it. And I knew that I wanted to speak about it on my own at some point. And I think for me, it was like, you know, there's never a good time, but when is it going to be therapeutic for me to speak up about this? And when is it going to be important enough for me to speak about this? And so then when Karen Olivo put out their statement against Scott Rudin and, and leaving um, Moulin Rouge, that was very inspirational to me. You know, the work that um, Jamie Sapero and, and yeah. uh, March on Broadway and those folks that they're doing is like very inspirational to me that I realized that like I needed, I have a story that is important that needs to be heard. And mm -hmm. I also have, as, as a person who's just very motherly in general, I have a very protective instinct to be like, no fucking way is any other trans person going to walk through those doors and experience what I experience without yeah. knowing what it was actually like for me. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down to write this letter and I had to make sure that, you know, it didn't come from a place of like feeling wounded artistically or it might wounded my self-worth right like it was yeah. something that I had to process and deal with and heal on my own but it had to be about you know this is the way that we continue to marginalize trans folks when they come through these doors and continually put their best efforts forward only to not receive back the things that they're putting in you know what I mean mm -hmm. continually after years and years of hard work what is it going to take and finally, once that letter was out there, yeah. I started getting responses. Do you know what I mean? I started getting yeah. responses from the folks I wish had spoken to me about it a year and a half before I'd released that letter. Yeah. Who should have had a conversation with me a year and a half before that letter was released. Yeah, I think. Or nine, nine months, a year, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, whatever. but like, I think that this, I hope if there's a couple of good things to come out of a horrible thing. Yeah. Um, but I go, perhaps people are, are sitting down to not just like, I'm listening, I'm taking information, air quotes. Right. And then they, they go about their lives right. instead of like sitting down and being like, how can I make sure that doesn't happen to other people? Cause if right. it doesn't affect me, it must affect somebody like, right. you know what I mean? Like right. just, it's the whole racist, anti-racist thing. Yeah. It's like, you can't just like not say the N word and be like, I'm doing my job. Right. Right. <laughs> like it takes so much more work. Right. And it takes so much yeah. work on all of us. Right. Like a lot of critics, I got criticism for that letter. I got criticism from folks who were like, why did you even say that? Why did you say this stuff? And I was like, if you have questions, turn your booty around and walk down to 425th Lafayette. Like those are where you need to direct your questions. Why because is it every, at me? It, why is it at me? Like everything that you want to know is in that letter. You can read the letter and your questions will be answered. And it just, it, it a lot of the criticisms were just like very unexpected. Cause I, I, why wouldn't we speak out against abuse that we're we're enduring in this industry? Why wouldn't we want to make these spaces safer for the people that are coming out of these conservatory programs, which need major reformation as well, right? Yeah. Like they need major, major overhauls, right? So this, how do we prepare the next generation behind us and the generation behind them to really be able to not only enter spaces that may not be safe for them, but to be able to assert themselves in ways to be able to have conversations and make them even safer. And like I said, like the responses I got, I wish I had gotten a year before instead yeah. of after releasing this letter. But all of all of it comes from places of love because you love the arts, because you exactly. love performing. And, because, and be, right. Yeah. So it's not like, hey, <laughs> yeah, it's literally no. it's literally because you love it so much. Right. And, you and love that's an institution future. that I love. Right. Right. And I love the public. Right. Like the majority of my career over the past five, six years has been at the public. I go mm. back time and time again to do a show there. So it's like the, some of my best friends in my life are folks that I met at the public, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that institution has a very big place in my heart and, and, and in my life. 
which is why I chose to speak out because I knew that if I didn't, I was going to be so bitter about it. I knew that I would never want to walk in that doors again, those doors again. And I may not get the chance to again. And that's also okay with me. I knew that writing the letter because mm-hmm. it was important enough for me to be like, even if I don't get the chance to walk into those doors again, somebody behind me who is, is going to feel a little safer because I spoke up. And that's yeah. what's important to me. That's, hey, we love to see it. Also, I love seeing your little pup behind you perking up a little bit <laughs> throughout our conversation. I'm just like, hey. Uh, last year, I don't know if you're familiar, but we were in a pandemic and- Were we? We're, we're still here. Um, and that's okay. But you were doing all of these like cooking lives. Like, do you remember this? Because oh, I some forgot point, about those. Oh, I didn't because there was- <laughs> somebody was talking last night i won't say who it was uh robbie Rosell was talking about alice ripley being absolutely unhinged on her like instagram lives oh my being God. like this is how you fold underwear and like it wasn't <laughs> that's not what you were doing but i will say like you i don't remember if you were making bread or what but there was one time i was watching you and i was just like this is so comforting i was in my kitchen i was like making rice krispie treats and you were just like oh man i I kind of fucked up the bowl thing here. <laughs> and I was like, we are really all in this together. <laughs> we are all in this together. I forgot about that. Yeah, I used to love doing those. It was great. Yeah. I loved having those like insights to people's like, well, I mean, here we are. <laughs> what else am I going to do? Let me just cook on live right now. <laughs> it was great. But also that was when you started Gilmore Girls. Yes. And I just have to yes. ask you about it because... I, I, we've kind of fallen off. I don't know what season you're at. I don't know if you finished. I don't know what your arc was. I just quickly, can you tell me a story of your journey watching Gilmore Girls? Because I feel like it's important. I was warned before I started that it gets a little funky as the seasons go on and that I should just skip from like <laughs> season three to the end, the last season. Um yeah. Season three is the sweet spot. It's the sweet spot. So I I don't know what season I left off on, but she's at Yale. Uh Uh-huh. And... um, Is she dating Logan? I don't think so. So I don't... Because I don't know who Logan is. So I didn't get that far. The naked guy who was running around in the dorms? Yes. That episode was the last one Marty. Marty. Okay, great. Marty famously <laughs> was in, uh, I did not realize this, Carrie Off Broadway. Um, <laughs> what a no way. Um, anecdote, yes. Wow. Um, which I was just like, why is that the thing that um, theatrically, uh, okay. Um, but yeah, like I I just love rewatching Gilmore Girls for one of my best friends, Kara. Like she, like my sister, truly, she will watch that on loop. She doesn't watch TV, but she watches, <laughs> she watches it like it's like comfort food every yeah. single day. Yeah. And for some reason still loves Jess. And I'm just like, Jess is the problem. Jess like, is the problem. <laughs> Je- but we are all attracted to Jess, which of is course. also the problem. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, you were, I think you were sitting, but you were like Zaddy. And I was just like, I mean, yeah. 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 It's tough. He's so hot. He's so hot. And I'm like, I know if I say yes to you, it's just going to be a bad scene, but I don't want to say no. no. <laughs> I, can I, can I tell you a story about that particular yeah. man? I was at a, an NBC event. Actually it was a, no, it was an entertainment weekly party, which sounds like I'm name dropping, but I'm just trying to give you context at like, there's no reason for me to run into this individual. Okay. Um, <laughs> like there's no reason, uh, but he was promoting this is us. Um, Milo, Vince Meglia. Um, and he, I, I couldn't believe that he was in the same space as me because famously, um, <laughs> hello. I mean, many, many an evening watching him on the screen and that's where I'll leave it. But, mm. um, <laughs> truly like he was there and he had like some facial hair and I was just like, you aren't the dress that I grew up with, but you <laughs> are a real person. Um, and I got in the elevator to go down to do an improv show two streets over. Cause I still had, uh, like a musical improv show that I was doing that night. Even though I was like in a full outfit for this entertainment weekly party, I was like, but I'm still committed to my art. <laughs> <laughs> I get in the elevator to go to this thing and he gets in the elevator with me. Like I was in the corner and it was just me and him. And I went, Oh, Oh God. Like I was so nervous. And he goes, um, uh, can I ask you what your middle name is? And I said, Cause I was like, am I, a, am I about to 
am I about to cuddle with this man? Like, what's about to happen? I would have peed no. my pants. I was literally, no, I was there with my boyfriend, but my boyfriend was not in the elevator and I was alone. And I was like, this is my chance. Um, and I don't know why this was the like instigator for the conversation. He was like, what, uh, can I ask what your middle name is? And I was like, um, yeah, it's Aki. Cause that is my like general middle name. Now I, I yeah. use it as my last name. Yeah. Um, last names have given me trouble for the past, like, uh, 20 plus years of my life. So I'm just like, I like my first and middle name. It's that's me. And, um, so I was like, Oh, it's Aki. And he was like, what is that? What is that? Uh, like origin. And I was like, Oh, it's Japanese. It actually means autumn, but it was like, uh, my great grandmother's first name or whatever. And he was like, oh, one of my buddies is having a kid soon. And so I keep asking everybody their middle names because we're all like, texting like cool middle names that we're finding out about people this was just such a fun interaction and I was like yeah okay <laughs> and he goes oh but what's your what's your what's your first name and I was like oh Grace he was like of course it's Grace and I'm like oh sorry you are saying all the right things oh. um, but also like isn't it funny that like we give men the bare minimum mm. he's oh, like yes. just being nice and we're just like you are like right I am right? fully dripping like <laughs> He noticed walked, me like noticed the bare minute. Right. I'm, I'm the only minute. person in the elevator. If he didn't talk to me, like, and cause I think he also saw me like quaking. Yeah. Um, and we started to get out of the elevator and he was like, why are you here? And I was just like, Oh, cause my, my boyfriend was like doing a show. And um, he was like, he was like, oh, very cool. Like, oh, he's, he's doing that thing with like Josh Radner. Da, da, da. Um, like I'll have to text him. And I was like, you can text me. <laughs> can, like, I, i'll take all his messages <laughs> yeah i was like i am the press secretary all this. um but he was just so kind and and just walked Aww. me onto the street and he had his like bodyguard with him too ended up being like downstairs and he was like can i can i walk you down to the corner like are you are you going somewhere because there were i'm drooling of, <laughs> of people trying to get his like photo and like autograph because you people had figured out that like this was an event that people were at and i'm I am literally nobody. Um, but what a sweet, strange interaction with somebody that I had built up in my mind. Because we have so many like people that we meet in our lives that like you had built up, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't met you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. have any of those stories where you're like, I had, I had really built this person up and then they absolutely disappointed me? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's this Bollywood actor who I won't name, Saif Ali Khan, who <laughs> I was obsessed with growing up. And he was shooting uh, a Bollywood movie here in New York. Um, and they were shooting a scene in, in um, Union Square. And I was coming out of the gym, okay? So wasn't, I get how I look when I come out of the gym. Sure. And I was like, I just, like, he was just hanging out by himself on the side by, like, where that, like, canopy is, the 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 whatever they call it um mm -hmm. where the train comes up just by himself there was like no one around no pas i was like this is my chance this is my chance so i went over to this him is my chance. <laughs> and i was like hey can i can i get your autograph and he was literally like <laughs> and it was like oh the face you are making right now is absolutely <laughs> like you could not be bothered he like, was not bothered like i don't oh. even think he looked do you know what i mean like it was just yeah. so automatic mm -hmm. um it was it was it was very awkward because it was just like okay and like I get it right like of course we like work in show business we get it but also there's a line of being rude and that was just really rude yeah 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 because you can be like a bad day. oh I just yeah but but we all have to learn like how to be tactful and kind because this might be your one interaction with somebody you right. never know like that's right. how I feel about stage doors yeah people yeah. often are just like, yeah, it's part of the job, it's part of the job, or they don't want to do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's your prerogative. It's a safety thing as well. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine how that must feel every yeah. night. But I also go like, maybe one of those people standing outside literally saved up for a year to yeah. fly to see you, you. to see you. To and see like, you specifically, yep. Yes. And so me and Bernadette Peters when I was 18 years old. And so I just, but like, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like see her after the show, yeah. uh, but at that production of a uh, little night music, halfway, she started to do send in the clowns and a phone went off. At <gasps> the, like, the, like the orchestra's like going, going. And then you hear, ding, 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 ding. and she goes, I'll wait. <laughs> and then literally the audience starts clapping because this was before the patty of it all. Right. Yeah. And then the person, you can hear them power down their phone. And then she goes, 
Okay, let's start again. And then they like as, and then they start to do sin. And I mean, it's the biggest number from that. Yes. Yes. And I was like, okay, that was that was literally the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like she handled it. Yes, queen status. Oh wait. <laughs> Laura, I saw Laura Benanti in um My Fair Lady last uh-huh. year, year before, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And someone's um right before the rain in Spain, whatever the name of that song is. Yeah, um yeah. someone's phone went off and she broke character and she was like, Can you please turn your phone off? I'm gonna wait for you. Like, and she was like, Yes, and this is my real voice. It was, it was, and then of course people clapped, right? Like that's become mm-hmm. an industry standard now. It's Insane. I remember the days when there were no cell phones in a theater because you couldn't bring a phone with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did not have a phone. You did Uh, not have a phone, right. Truly. Um, I I want to get to the end of our time together because you are you seem you're out of town like you're doing a thing can you tell me what you're up to are you are you back home i'm, I'm home now i'm home oh, now. yeah um, oh. it's it's a virtual thing i mean the the creative team is up at the o'neill center um but yeah. the cast is the cast is all virtual i'm working on amy joe johnson's hatchetation it's a new musical oh it's very cool it's very very cool um it's really contemporary um a uh, contemporary take on uh, the story of Carrie Nation, who was kind of like the leader of the uh, temperance movement. Um, Interesting. Leading prohibition and throughout, you know, widespread America started in Kansas. And so it's a very, very interesting, interesting uh, uh, show. And we've been workshopping it this week. And then we have a presentation next Tuesday. So, and it's very interesting. I've been avoiding doing musicals on Zoom all year. I've just been doing plays. But uh, we're... Attempting to do a couple songs on Zoom. So they had me pre-record a song um, yeah. and a couple other folks are pre-recording songs. So we'll see how it goes when they plug it in, you know, to the to the feed or whatever they're going to do on Tuesday during the reading. We'll see how that goes. That's really cool. No, yeah. I, I can't imagine doing a, a musical on Zoom right now. Like every time I've seen people do I'm like, I, I don't know. <sighs> Like uh, yeah. the Ratatouille thing. I was just like, guys, what, like, what yeah. are you doing? And now you're nominated for an award. Okay. Um, yeah. So kudos to you. I know you're, you're busy. You're booked and busy because you're fabulous. <laughs> you're um, so sweet. But this is the end part of the show where we play kind of a game um, sure. called short story. Okay. And um, basically I will give you a word. You'll give me a word and I can, I can story tell first or you can do storytelling first. Um, but basically we give each other a word as a prompt. So okay. like I could say like salamander, but you could tell me a story not about a salamander and that's totally fine. But it's just to get you started on something being like, oh, I have a story about this, but you only get two minutes. So I can okay. give you a word first. You can give me a word first, whatever you want. Um, um, give me a word first. I'll, okay. I'll take this challenge. Okay. I feel like this is a bit of a, a bit of a gimme, but um, okay. Okay. I have a word for you. Okay. It is water bottle and your time starts now. Water bottle. And I've got two minutes, right? Okay. So Mm -hmm. everybody, if you don't know, Grace and I met during a workshop of a Drew Gasparini and Alex Brightman's show. It's kind of a funny story based on the book by Ned Vizzini. Um, I have been involved with this show for a couple of years, done a couple of developmental things with them. And so they decided to put this workshop together and I was very happy to be part of it. And we had a company of like 30 of us. Um, and we we're the way the room was set up was these two rows and Grace and I were right in front of one another or even next to each other, I think at one point. And she had this ginormous. And when I say ginormous <laughs> water bottle, I think it is twice the size of your head. It's it, it's it is huge. It says it's a gallon on the Amazon website. It is certainly not a gallon. <laughs> it's like maybe five gallon. It's huge. It's huge. It feels like it's been one of the gallons you get at the, the supermarket. And little Grace is just picking this giant thing up <laughs> and drinking this entire the contents of this entire water bottle through this whole workshop. And so much so, inspired, just like keep yourself hydrated, keep yourself hydrated. So much so, inspired me <laughs> to buy my own ginormous water bottle <laughs> that I now have as well, that I call my workshop bottle because it is the bottle that I bring to all my workshops. Because I force so... myself to drink, I have to drink that much water when you're doing workshops. You know what I mean? You have to just keep yourself hydrated. 
Yeah. And you only get so many equity breaks. Um, You you got it in within under uh, two minutes, which I appreciate, but I will go grab just for, just for frame of reference for the world. (laughs) I was like, I just, it's hard to put people on the spot of like the short story. And I was like, no, we have a short, a short story about that because I literally will never forget getting the, um, cause you were like, no, but like send me the link. (laughs) And I was like, no, I will. And then you were like, no, but like, I will buy it. <laughs> I will buy it. And, and I swear to you, I got reached out to by like Amazon influencer program for that. And I was just like, I don't know if I would like want to influence people to buy from Amazon, <laughs> but, like, but it is, I mean, truly I have many sold, uh, for oh, yeah. sheer visibility. Yes. Uh, visi- visibility matters. Representation matters and representation of gallon water bottles matters. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And I have passed that on. Like people have seen me use it in workshops and have been inspired to buy their own ginormous water bottle. So it's, it's a true, it's like tradition to pass this on now. <laughs> <laughs> I really There's going to be a that. plaque in Duffy square one day with your name on it being like donated. <laughs> and it's just all me. the water bottles. I, I use it in my solo show just uh, for water purposes, but I didn't yeah. realize like, cause I, cause I need water when I'm performing, mm. right? I, I do yeah. like an hour long show. And one time I was doing it recently and I, I took like a chug of the thing cause there wasn't, it, you know, I had to like uh, tip it yeah. and it got such a laugh. And I was just like, oh shit, I've got to keep this in the show. <laughs> <laughs> like now it's like a part of it. Like now it's a prop, which is annoying. Cause I'm like, how much water do I keep in it for the best laugh? Right. Like, whatever. It's so <laughs> stupid. It has to be planned now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, when do I take the chug? Like, uh, but yeah. Oh Anyways. God. And then don't get thirsty before that bit. Cause like now it's right. ruined and it's so ruined. Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. See, and if we were on Broadway, you would just have a stage manager who would replace it with the appropriate level at the time that you were supposed to take that shot. Right. You wouldn't even <laughs> yeah. have to worry about that, but we're not on no. Broadway. We're not on Broadway and your girl's not equity. Um, all right. So <laughs> you're welcome to remember everybody's like passing the sheet around like a normal workshop. And they were like, Oh, this is an equity sheet. And I was like, Oh, not me not me friend um okay so if you have a word for me we will get into it and um you ready yes okay train car oh train car makes me think of like um i don't know if you're familiar with the boxcar children book series not really um it's a book series for children and i never read it so it's not that i (laughs) I would always see the covers like kids would like bring it, you know, when there's like the babysitters club book series. And then there was like the boxcar children. I would see kids like reading all of those book series. And I would go, how the hell are you going to commit to people like that? (laughs) Like, I can't, I'll get like one book in and I'm like, I'm glad I know their story. Next story. Like I don't (laughs) need to follow Clarissa through the boxcars. And I don't remember were they nomadic grew up like I was I was living and working in Chattanooga Tennessee um I remember meeting they were like these are the train people and I was like hold the fuck up do do I need to reread these books are they train people or were they just like living in a boxcar and now I'm like oh my god was I being like anti people that are you know without um a residence right now like was I like that classist as a child not wanting to read about like <laughs> What? Why was I not gravitating towards it? So I have a lot of guilt. Um, oh but train, train car makes me think of all the books that I'm like, I owed, I, I, they deserved better from me. As if these are real children being oh like, this God. was my story and you slept on it. <laughs> I was out here reading holes so I could know the Shia LaBeouf rip movie better. You know what I mean? Like, oh it's my just, God. It oh sucks. my God. I'm so going to have to um, look up the boxcar books now. I'm going to have to look them up now this and see. This was a whole marketing campaign for me to bring up the boxcar That's children. so funny. That's so funny. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's I was too busy reading holes. <laughs> I was too busy. Re- fake reading, probably. I was like, I'm familiar with the Eartha Kitt film. <laughs> okay. Henry Winkler, Shia LaBeouf. But anyways, that's really funny. I need to Google that because yeah. I didn't know. Um Yeah. You're such a delight. I had planned to talk to you for half an hour. Look at us. I'm so sorry. I took so much of your time. Shut up. No, I just meant like, I've been trying to go like, oh, I should go shorter on my episodes. Yeah. 
but I end up, no, this is storytelling and, and I want you to be able to fully uh, talk about whatever you're wanting to talk about. Um, but thank you for letting me ask about things that are kind of kookaluku, but you have beautiful stories. And every time I see your gorgeous headshot pop up on any kind of press release, I'm like, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> like, as if I'm somehow involved in your story. Oh. I'm just like, yeah, no, she, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so- you are involved in my story. You are. Thank no. you for that amazing support always i will yeah. always remember that whenever i do something because you know it's always an ebb and flow of this business of feeling like you've got self-worth or you don't so knowing that that's true is that's very true. sweet because i'm like it, it costs me nothing it takes yeah. nothing away from my experience i think so yeah. much so often especially as women we go like well if i you know boost right. this person up it takes away from my cl- and right. I'm like, what are we doing? Why are right. we why are right. we keeping our love for each other? <clears throat> Creepy. Um, so I just again, it costs me nothing. It's the bare minimum. You're an incredible person and performer, and I can't wait to hopefully like work with you again. But you're you're fantastic, and I'm so excited for all the things that you do coming up. Of course, we're gonna promote the fact that like everyone needs to follow you on all socials because um the way the way even the other day when you were like calling out that (laughs) Bo Burnham lyric I was like my ears are bleeding because I was listening to the the on loop and I I always laugh at that part and I was like Mm -hmm. I was like, right. such a good call. Um I'm thankful that I don't have a white girl's Instagram. Thankful. Thankful. Thank you for listening to Tell Me on a Sunday podcast. This has been a That's Good a Media production. I want to give a special shout out to my Patreon subscribers. That's Triple Threats and Beyond. Daniel, Joe, Abigail, Matt, Caitlin, Carson and Marissa, Joe F., Priscilla, Rick and Margaret, Molly and Norman, Mackie, Violet, and Michael. Merch is going to be released through my Etsy shop. If you don't already follow that, that's at Grace Aki Made It on Instagram. But also you can find it on Etsy, Grace Aki Made It. Uh, lots of podcast related merch I guess and by lots I mean probably one or two to start and uh, all of my other artwork is available on there too I mean as artists we do a million things we're multi-hyphenates you can still listen to me weekly on Broadway radio that's usually Tuesdays through Thursdays you can get your Broadway news every single day presented by me Matt Ashley sometimes James Marino it's really good highly recommend that you listen to it Uh, thank you guys again for joining me on this journey of storytelling I hope to see you next week otherwise stay safe love you hey it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory a program of maestro music RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Dot org because only together we rise.